This is the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. To find out more about Keystone, visit keystonerdu.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. On the theme of singing and songs, we are in the book of Psalms, all right? And that is exactly what the book of Psalms is, is a big old songbook, all right? That is what it is. It is uh, as thick as some of the songbooks you remember as a kid if you grew up in church. Um, and there's a lot in the book of Psalms. Uh, we have been in this, uh, in this book of the Bible um, since the month of May. And so we've had several um, different Psalms that we have paid attention to and looked at. Um, the series title is A Soundtrack for Life. And man, I, you know, I think back on that and I think we've seen it. Uh, as we've studied through these different psalms, we've seen David uh, going through life, the hills and the valleys of life, the struggles of life, the victories of life, the defeats of life. Uh, we've seen him go through uh, the caves. We've seen him in acts of repentance. We've seen him praising the Lord. Uh, and that really is life. And uh, today, a little bit differently, we're going to be in Psalm 139, Psalm 139 this morning. The title of today's message is, What a Mighty God. What a Mighty God. If I had to pick a 1B title, it would simply be, How Great Thou Art. One of my favorite hymns that we do. But this psalm is one of the most incredible songs that has ever been penned. Um, If you are familiar with Psalm 139, uh, you would already know it is so rich in lyric, it is so rich in doctrine, it is so rich in worship. And can I be very honest with you, we pick a song like King of Kings, Tim mentioned, the song itself has not been out even for two months. Literally, why would we pick that song to sing in our church? It is because... It is rich in doctrine. It is rich in worship. It is just rich in every way imaginable. This Psalm 139 is similar to that. The lyrics are rich. It talks about culturally relevant topics. By the way, the Bible is a breathing, living word, and it will speak to 2019. Uh, just like it spoke back in the day that it was penned. It is a living word. This psalm will invoke us to worship, or it should invoke us to worship Jehovah God, honestly, in a way that we've not yet seen it presented in the psalms that we have highlighted up until this point. I have been typically not reading through the entire chunk of Scripture Um, at the beginning, um, but I'm going to do it today because I want you to understand the richness of this passage. We're going to read the first 16 verses together. If you have your Bibles, then please follow along in them. If you don't have your Bible and you have an app on your phone, feel free. If not, we'll have the words here on the screen for you. Psalm 139, beginning in verse 1, O Lord, you have 
searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. I want you to think about this as I'm reading it and as you're following along. You understand my thought afar off. Verse 3. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Verse 7, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. Verse 13. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. That may be the most incredible 16 verses that I've read in a long time. I encourage you this week to take some extra time to read through this chapter. It does not end at verse 16. It goes down and there's 24, there are 24 total verses. But I want to encourage you to make God's word a priority. We do it here at our church. I want to encourage you to do it there in your house, in your personal life. But can we pray together and then let's jump into this text. Heavenly Father, we love you. God, I wish we had the time to properly take all 16 of these verses and dissect them down all the way. God, I think of believers in third world countries this morning who meet together privately and silently and they thirst for your word and they stay for hours to hear your word to fellowship together god i pray that we would have that that authentic faith that authentic love that authentic care for your word. God, I pray that you would use your word. It's powerful. It's alive. That it would pierce my heart and pierce the hearts that all, of all who hear this morning. Thank you for Jesus. 
our Savior. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. This morning I want to dive directly into the text. I want the text to do the teaching. I want the text to do the preaching uh, this morning. I want us to see, first of all, in the first six verses of this passage, the omniscience of God. Omniscience of God. The, the word omniscient literally means all-knowing. Omni-science. Okay, all-knowing. We have an all-knowing God. Let's look back at the first six verses. By the way, we're going to read back through this passage because I think it's that important. Verse 1, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. There is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. What an amazing, humbling, and mind-blowing thought that Jehovah God Almighty God, the creator of the universe, has searched me and he knows me. I want, I want you to pause for a second and I want you to think about that truth. There are over 7 billion people alive today in this world. And Jehovah God searches you and knows you. I can't really fathom that. They say, you know, as, as a pastor, they say that as a pastor, depending on your, your capabilities and your personality, that as a pastor, you have an ability to have a personal, real connection with anywhere between 75 people and 300 people, depending on your personality and the structures that you have, have in place around you. So I, as a pastor, can personally know and by personally know means I know what's going on in your life. I know that you're starting a new job. I know that you're struggling here. I know that you need prayer. This, this. I can know between 75 and 300 people in an intimate way. And that's, obviously we understand the intimate ways that we know people are limited, even. So just think about that. That in our human minds, let's just go in between, let's just say 150. 150 people we can intimately know. And to think that the God of the universe, out of the 7.6, I believe, billion alive on the earth right now, knows you. He knows you. Uh, look at the terminology of what he, he knows you're sitting down. He knows you're rising up. He understands your thoughts. Uh-oh. He comprehends your path. He is acquainted with your way. There is not a word on your tongue. I even take that to say you almost said it and you may not have even said it. There's not a word on your tongue. On your tongue. But behold, O oh Lord, you know it altogether. Lord, have mercy. That's the southern boy coming out of me. What a humbling thought. 
that he knows. That he knows. But can I say this this morning? That our all-knowing Jehovah God knows all about you, and that is not a bad thing. It is actually a good thing. Proverbs 3, verse 19, The Lord by wisdom founded the earth, and by understanding he established the heavens. By his knowledge the depths were broken up, and clouds dropped down the dew. There's several other verses we could go to, but God, by his knowledge, knows everything. He is an all-knowing God. He is an omniscient God. God knows the things that you're going through in your life. He knows the nitty-gritty details. God knows the good, the bad, and the ugly about you. You know the thing in your life that no one else knows about, not even maybe the ones closest to you? You know that struggle, or you know that instance, or you know that, that situation? He knows he already knows. And can I say this this morning? That is not a threatening truth. Please, if you've grown up in a church where someone says God knows everything about you and it causes you to fear or to, to guilt, please be set free by the grace of God. Please understand this morning that God knowing everything about you is not a threatening truth. In fact, the omniscience of God this morning isn't a threatening truth. It is a comforting truth truth can you please shift your mindset about who god is this morning if you think god knows everything about me oh no can you shift this morning to god knows everything about me thank you god knows everything about me god knows everything about me rest God knows everything about me, lay my burdens down. God knows everything about me, lay my cares down. God already knows everything about me. And if you serve a threatening God in that way, I want to encourage you and invite you into a relationship today with a comforting God that knows everything and anything about you this morning. He knows this morning and He cares. He knows and he cares. I don't know this morning. Listen, I'm looking at faces all across this room. And I know every one of you to a certain extent. Some better than others. But I can be really honest. I don't know this morning what you're going through. And honestly, I could say I wish I did. Sometimes, let's be honest. I don't, I don't wish I did sometimes. Because there's some heavy things that people face. Got to be honest with you. I don't know this morning, but he knows. I don't know the hurt that you hold. I don't know the grief that you're bearing. I don't know the, I don't know the, the inward parts of your heart and your mind, but he does. He does. And that is a comforting thought. Hey, listen, I got, I got one good for you. He knows you ain't even got to tell him. He already knows. He knew. He already knows. Consider the writer of the psalm, David. Consider the man who penned this psalm, even in his sin, his wicked sin, his sexual sin, and his murderous sin, and his 
horrible family situation that he led them into. He wanted God to search him and know him. Listen, there's not a better place to be in your spiritual life than when, even in, when things are going straight to hell in your life, to say, God, know me. God, search me. I, I, I'm giving you everything. I'm letting you see everything. He already sees it anyway. I'm letting you see everything, God. Search me and know me. For to David, it was a comforting truth, even in his sin, even in his struggle, even in his history, it was a comforting thing for David to say, God, search me, know me, every single part of me. It's like the kid stealing cookies out of the cookie jar with chocolate chips smeared all over his face and his hands have crumbs and chocolate his fingernails have chocolate underneath them you hope it's chocolate anyway uh, fingernails have chocolate underneath. some of y'all got it some of y'all anyway um but uh and you're like did is there something that i need to know about nope and you're still chewing right you're finishing up and you're like nope nothing you need to know about isn't that the way we the way we do god he already knows hey look nowadays he's probably got like one of those nest cameras Right, you already I actually literally saw you do it from my app on my phone. Hey, listen, it's a comforting truth to know that God knows. And listen this morning, whatever you are going through and you are facing, He already knows. He already knows. And this morning, can we worship Him for His omniscience, for His all-knowing power. God, you're an amazing God who knows the deepest parts of us. You know me all the way to my core. You know the sin. You know my flesh. You know my weaknesses. And God, you know me, but you care and you love me. Man, can we worship him today for what he knows? The omniscience of God, but not only do we see in this passage the omniscience of God, but secondly, I want us to see this the omnipresence of God. The omnipresence of God. This psalm is all about God. What a mighty God. How great thou art. Look at verse 7 in your Bibles or on the screen. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? Remember, David was a fleer, he had been on the run for a lot of his life. Where can I run? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. By the way, if you were in Connect Group on Tuesday night, you would have understood how uh, much of the Bible is written to draw a metaphor, to show us a picture. Here's one of those pictures. If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning, and we're going to come back to this verse, and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, Even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I shall say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. Omnipresence, you understand, is the ever-present nature of God. Hey, listen, not only does he know, but he is there hey listen it's one thing for somebody to know your struggle and be 
thousands of miles away from you. It's another thing for someone to know you intimately and to be there with you intimately. There is a a next level that we're reaching here in our comprehension and our worship and our praise of God. You see Psalm 90 and verse 2, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You see, God has existed and has been ever-present, has been omnipresent from the beginning of time to the end of time. He exists above God time he is ever present jeremiah 23 verse 23 i am a god near at hand says the lord and not a god afar off can anyone hide himself in secret places so i shall not see him says the lord do i not fill heaven and earth says the lord there is nowhere you can go where god is not there There is not a corner of this world that you can hide in where God's presence is not there. In fact, if you ascend into heaven, Jehovah God is there. If you make your bed in hell, Jehovah God is there. What is David trying to, what word picture is he trying to paint here? You cannot go anywhere in the universe where God's presence is not there. And that is a comforting thought this morning. Can I say this, uh, moms, dads, maybe you have adult children and maybe they're moving away from home or, or, or situations going on with adult children. Can I say there's nowhere that your son or your daughter can run to that God's presence is not there. Can I say this to the, to the wayward relationship that was broken uh, many, many years ago? Maybe there is nowhere that person can run where God's presence is not there. Can I say this, if I may, those in our military who go all over the world and are in, in situations they can't even verbalize to their families and those closest to them, can I say this, that no matter where God takes them, He is with them and He is ever present And can I just say this? The presence of God is more important in their life than the presence of you. We don't like to hear that. But the presence of God in their life is more important than the presence of you. I've got a cousin of mine right now, a cousin. uh, She and her husband are in their mid-40s. They have three children. One of them is uh, in her early 20s. They have a teenage girl about 14 or 15 They have a young boy about 11 years old. They are moving within the next six months. They will be taking their family and they will be moving to India in a very hostile area of India to serve as missionaries. And last Sunday we were able to, I was able to go to a a kind of a family gathering for them where we try to raise some money and we're just trying to be supportive of them and their family. But I think about that and let me tell you something, there's not them being in the presence of God in India is better than them being in the presence of the rest of their family in North Carolina. Does that make sense? I would rather for my two girls to be in the presence of God far, far away than just simply be in my presence just for my security and for, for, for to make me feel better. You see, God is ever present. And there's nowhere you can go and there's nowhere anybody that you care about can go that can outrun the presence of God. God's hand will not lead you where his arm cannot reach you. It's a very simple truth this morning. 
But God's hand will not lead you where his arm cannot reach you. He is ever present. I I mentioned in verse 9 that we're going to go back, and I want us to look at verse 9. There's a truth here that I want to pull out. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. And I find this to be an interesting analogy that David says, and this is what I personally believe and as I've studied it, this is what I believe he's trying to say here. Even if I take a bird and I have a bird in my hand and I take that bird down into the depths of the sea, what's going to happen to that bird? I just, made a, I just royally screwed up. I just made a big mistake. I just killed what I had with me. I just completely wrecked. I took the wings of the morning and I took it down and dwelled in the uttermost parts of the sea. That's what I did. But his hand will lead me and his right hand shall hold me. And what is he saying? He's saying this, even if I royally screw up, even if I drown myself and those around me, figuratively speaking, you will still be there. You will still be there. Hey, listen, this morning you may make mistakes, and welcome to the club if you make mistakes. You are at a great church, all right? If you make mistakes, you fit in perfectly. If you sin, then you fit in perfectly. Only sinners are allowed to come to this church unless Jesus walks through the door, and then he's, he's welcome. He wouldn't be welcome in some churches. He's welcome in this one, all right? Uh, but at the end of the day, I don't care what your problem is or your struggle is. I don't care the sin or the mistakes or your past or whatever it is. Let me say this morning that Jesus Christ loves you, and he is with you. You. He knows you and he is with you. He knows you and he is with you. He is omniscient and he is omnipresent. What a mighty God. How great thou art. An omniscient and an omnipresent God. But thirdly, I want us to see this. I want us to see this morning the omnipotence of God. The omnipotence of God and omnipotence simply means all powerful. The power of God. I want us to look at verse 13. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well my frame was not hidden from you when i was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed and in your book they all were written the days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them this morning i could take a general truth of the power of god and I could preach for about 10 minutes to close out this message and I could do a rah-rah, God is powerful. And he is. And rah-rah, God is powerful. I believe that. And it is a universally applied truth that God is all-powerful. I believe it. Amen. But this morning, I want to zero in on this text and what this specific text can highlight about the power of God. David touches on a very important topic as it relates to the power of God in creating human life. 
Consider the source. This is a man who lost an infant because of situations of his choosing in his life. This is a man who the life of a child was very precious to. And can I say this morning, I do not know all the circumstances in this room. I I know that there very well may be people in this room who have experienced uh, some sort of, uh, uh, of death as it relates to bearing children. I don't know that this morning, but I'm assuming in a congregation this size that that I am speaking to someone like that. Can I say this morning that I hurt for you and that I love you and that God loves you? Um, Can I say that these verses ought to be verses of comfort? And I want us to look at the power of God as it relates to creating human Life. I want to give you four biblical worldview truths that we can pull from this text. How can we keep a biblical worldview when we talk about the creation of human life and the value of a human life? These are four things that we need to understand. Number one, we are created and these will not... Oh, they are. Man, I love you, Justin. Uh, these will be on the screen for you. We are created by God through the reproductive process. Look at verse 13 this morning. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. The physical reproductive uh, act and the things that go on and take place in our physical bodies are all designed and created by Jehovah God, Almighty God. Okay, that is a biblical worldview truth that we can gather from this text by the way these are not political statements this morning these are biblical statements and if biblical statements step on your political views then so be it okay biblical truths should supersede our political views any day of the week everybody understand that so if you're anyway that's fine you vote with your feet. If you come back next week, it's great to see you. All right, here we go. We, work, we are created by God through the reproductive process. Secondly, we were each created fearfully, wonderfully, and marvelously unique. Unique. Look at verse 14. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well not only did god create us but god created each one of us uniquely he created you to be you there's not there is not another you on this universe okay and stop trying to be somebody else he created you to be you i've said this before if you walk into a church everybody looks the same everybody talks the same everybody acts the same run you may have stumbled into a cult okay do not go get out Okay? If everybody looks the same, talks the same, and acts the same, take off. Because God created us unique. Unique. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. He created us individually and specifically unique this morning. Once again, biblical worldview truths, not political statements. 
Biblical worldview truths. We were created by God. We are created by God through the reproductive process. Verse 13. We were each created fearfully, wonderfully, and marvelously unique. Verse 14. Thirdly, we were known by God before our physical bodies could form. We were known by God before our physical bodies could form. Look at verse 15. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Look at this statement in verse 16. Just look at the first statement. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. We were known by God before our physical bodies could form. Listen, God knew you, Jeremiah, before I formed you, I knew you. Listen, God knew our, our bodies and our physical bodies before they were even formed. God knew. This is the God that created each one of us through the reproductive process. This is the God that created us each unique. This God knew us before our physical bodies could even form. These are biblical truths helping us to create a biblical worldview when it comes to human life. Human life. This isn't what candidate so-and-so says. This is what Scripture says. Fourthly, a biblical worldview truth. We were all created with a unique purpose to fulfill. Not just created unique in like our personalities and our looks and things, but we were all created with a unique purpose. Look back at verse 16. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they were all written. What were written? The days that were fashioned for me, my life, the days of my life, when as yet there were none of them. God orchestrated your purpose in life before your life even began. He knew, he's all-knowing, he knew, he was there, he was there, and he knew, and he has, he has established your goings. He has established your life this morning. And I'm about to make a statement this morning, and this is not a political statement. I want to make a biblical statement because of these verses and not just these verses, but other verses of Scripture that teach us this. But I, as a follower of Jesus, as a husband, as a father, and as a pastor, stand for and will always stand for the right to life for the unborn. I make zero apologies for that. I am as pro-life as pro-life can get. Period. That's not a political statement. That is a biblical statement. By the way, for all the social justice warriors out there, from the womb to the tomb, I believe in life from conception until termination. I believe in life all the way through. I don't believe that we need to get involved in messing with life on the front end. And I don't believe outside of an individual's choice and their family's choice, we get involved in anything on the back end. I am for life. I am for life. 
I understand that down here, and I understand many of you, and I've seen it in my own family, there's some tough choices we have to make sometimes on this end. Ooh, I get it. And that choice is ultimately up to the family and the individual. I understand that. And that's not what I'm talking about tonight. But I am saying from the womb to the tomb, I am for life. I am for life this morning. Those, those odd situations that come up, and most of the time they're out of, out of this country, but where they will, a government will like forcefully remove a feeding tube from someone against the wishes of that person and their family. I am for life from the womb to the tomb. Well, what about this question I have about this 0.01% of, no, I'm for life. I'm not going to base my beliefs off of 0.01%. I'm for life. I'm for life. And by the way, can I just say this? And, and I wrote this down, so I mean to say it. All right. The same culture that claims Christians don't accept science in terms of in, in the views of creationism. Oh, you guys ignore science because you believe that God created the world. Those same people will ignore common science when it comes to life in the womb. I'm going to say that again. The same people who say that I as a Christian, because I believe that God created this world, they say that I am ignoring science, will ignore legitimate ultrasounds. I'm not, a, I'm not a medical professional. Ultrasounds. Man, we can see people in there doing the YMCA before they come out. I mean, we, we have babies that are born. Some of you may have been, may have been born prematurely. I mean, at, and make... An, oh my goodness, and we see life that's, I'm not a, I'm not a, as, as, I'm not a rocket surgeon. All right? I'm not a rocket scientist. I'm not a rocket scientist this morning. But can I say that I believe that God formed the inward parts of human life. God did. God created that life in the womb of that mother. It's not my job or your job to decide whether or not that life deserves to be lived. God created that life deserves to be lived. But it's going to mess up this in my life. Well, too bad. Well, I, I, I'm not ready for it. Well, too bad. I mean, all of us parents, were we really ready? Lord have mercy. Just wait till you actually have one. Then you'll realize how really not ready you really were not. All right? You weren't ready. You're never going to be ready. For the record, we stand for life, and I stand for life. I'm not speaking for you. I stand for life, pro-life, from the womb to the tomb. Back to the context of the psalm. By the way, we preach through the Bible, and we don't make political statements. The only time we make political statements is when we're preaching through the Bible, and the Bible makes one. So I'll make it every time. I'm not looking for it, but when it happens, I'm not going to shy away from it. But we worship and serve a powerful God. A God who, I, I tell you to do this about twice a month. Breathe in, breathe out. Your heart knew when to beat. My foot knew when to move. My ear is itching. And somehow my mind told my, my finger to scratch it. I'm getting hungry. My stomach is telling my brain to shut up. Okay? God formed that. Oh, well, it just, it just happened that way. No, 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 no. God did that. God's the one who heals the sick. God's the one who spoke the world into existence. God's the one who raises the dead. God's the one who causes the winds to cease 
or to increase. God's the one who brings the storms or, or, or drives the storms away. There is no one more powerful and there is no more powerful force on this universe than our almighty God this morning. He is powerful. And I worship Him and we worship Him this morning for His power. Not only is He all-knowing, He is ever-present and He is all-powerful. Attributes of a mighty God. How great thou art. I'm not going to, Tim, I'm not going to try to have you sing this at the end. But I think about one of our favorite songs that we do as a church. What a beautiful name. You have no rival. This is our God. You have no equal. Now and forever, God, you reign. Yours is the kingdom Yours is the glory. Yours is the name above all names. What a powerful name it is. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. And what a powerful name it is. Nothing can stand against what a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. Listen, we serve a powerful name. God. We've spoken about how different psalms throughout this series will invoke certain emotions in us. Emotions of joy and worship and praise. Emotions of repentance and maybe sadness or deep reflection. I believe today's psalm should invoke a spirit of worship in us. Humble worship. A spirit of adoration at the magnitude of of an ever-present, all-knowing, all-powerful God. This has been the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. For more information about Keystone Church, visit keystonerdu.church. Please subscribe to hear future messages. Thank you.